on this edition of the Evangelist Podcast. We're thinking about speaking good news at Easter. The Evangelist Podcast from Revival. Find out what's new in telling people the good news about God, the world and you with Andy Brinkley and Glenn Scrivener. Go golf claps, golf claps all around. Oh, you want this? <laughs> oh, I really must uh, stop that, that. Put that away. You really yes. must stop that. Hmm. So uh, this Naughty is step for Andy. <laughs> this is the second um, one on looking at uh, evangelistic outreach. Yep. At and Easter, we looked at the uh, the cannonball, and you were sort of explaining a bit about the, the latest cannonball video. Yep. That uh, came out just before Easter. Like cannonball shot using lovers' ammunition on a mission of collision causing catastrophic fission to our carrying coalition with morticians. Who needs Governor B? Oh, we do. We definitely do. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this time we thought that we'd look uh, a little bit about uh, speaking evangelistically at Easter and, mm. and things like that. And uh, uh, so you've got a long list of scriptures to preach for. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> for those taking notes, I have 17 points. Um, well, where we left off for the last episode, we were thinking about, um, you know, the cannibal video, which if you haven't seen it, for goodness sakes, just stop what you're doing, go and watch the video. But you've got... Um, the whole human race is born sinking into quicksand. They're crying out for help because they want a rescue rope. They don't get a rescue rope. Out of heaven is shot a cannibal. It was Jesus, and he dashes down uh, while we're trying to clamber up the sides of the pit. He actually goes down into the deepest part of the pit and explodes it on the cross and bursts through onto the other side of death in the resurrection, and he says, come follow me. So if that's what the gospel is, I, I think one huge thing about, about outreach and, and preaching the gospel at Easter as well as at other times, is we really need to begin with the born sinking into quicksand thing, um, which we in the West just want to resist at every stage because we've never had it so good, because we're living longer than ever, because our health is is great, we can live healthier for longer. Um, you know, and, and what we're really doing in life is we're really clambering up the side of the pit and we've got to a, a, you know, a relatively sunny spot on a pit that will have us in the end. But it just leads to loads of people just kidding themselves that, that this will last forever. Um, and, I, and I do think that actually preaching our mortality is a huge need uh, in evangelism, just, just waking people up. And so, yeah, I've got these sort of scriptures, um, you know, the ways in which the Bible talks about the brevity of our lives, you know, and... Um, so let's, for instance, 1 Chronicles 29 talks about how we are, um, we are aliens and strangers. We're aliens or sojourners um, and tenants before you, O Lord. So, you know, it's, it's like we're at a and b <laughs> and, you know, we're, we're only here for a night or two. And then we're gone. You know, that, that's what life's like. Mm. It's, it's like a night or two at a, at a bed and breakfast, and then we're gone. Or, you know, our days are swifter than a weaver's shuttle, which is Job chapter 7. You know, just this idea of the shuttle going back and forth. And, and, and just, you know, one, one run along of the, yeah. of the weaver's shuttle, and our lives come to an end without hope, says Job. Yeah. Or uh, all the time in the Bible, um, shadow language comes yes. up. So in Job chapter 8, uh, our days on earth are like a shadow. Mm. Um, like think, a breath. Like a, or, or a breath as well. Yeah. <sighs> like a gone. sleep. Like sleep, yeah. yeah. Psalm 90. 
like a bad dream that you wake up from and then you, you don't even remember it and, <laughs> and that's that's all that life is. Um, like a vapor, James chapter 4, you know, you... Um, your life is a mist. You know, we even sort of put that line into into cannibal. You know, um, like what is it? Born in quicksand, a sick land, a, a swift span thirty thousand days. Which, like thirty thousand days, is, would be like ninety ninety years old when oh. you die. So still thirty thousand days, no delays in a haze dismissed like morning mist. That's all that life is like vapor. Um, I love uh, David in 1 Samuel 20. He says, there is hardly a step between me and death. Mm. Hardly a step between me and death. And it's just, you know, you just, you, you know, one wrong, one wrong step mm. and you come tumbling off this, this tightrope that you're on. One, one step away from death. Uh, like grass, again, uh, Isaiah 40. Um, all flesh is grass. And all its glory is like the flower of the field. Which again, you know, you, you, you go to Scotland and you see the heather across the hills and you think, that's beautiful. Oh, isn't that glorious? And, but it's gone. It's like, it's like grass. Mm. And that's what our lives are like. They, they look amazing and uh, beautiful and look flourishing and verdant for a little while. And then they're gone. Uh, we haven't got long then on the earth. I haven't got long. And like Psalm 90 is... is Reminding us, as, as you mentioned, Psalm 90, reminding us back of, of Genesis um, and the Garden of Eden, you know, dust you are, to mm. dust you will return. And Psalm 90 says, you turn people back to dust, saying, return to dust, you mortals. Um, you know, verse 5 of Psalm 90, you sweep people away in the sleep of death. Um, and then verse 12 says, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. Your days are numbered. When somebody says that to you, don't take that as uh, a condemnatory thing. Mm. Take it as they're trying to teach you wisdom. Your days are numbered. Okay, well, teach us, Lord, to number our days. And we just don't. We absolutely don't. And You know, I read a statistic um, last week or the week before that um, some phenomenal amount of, of money, um, something like 80% of all... Uh, U.S. spending on health care um, gets spent on the last three months of life, like eighty percent, because we're just we're just trying to cling on, mm. absolutely doing everything we possibly can mm. to postpone the inevitable, and that's and what we think of as uh, as grasping after life is really we're just postponing the, the inevitable, and people are just not ready to face their death, mm. to face their mortality. Um, but if we're going to preach Easter, then we've got to we, we've got to begin there. That this is our state, for goodness sakes. Mm. So, how would you sort of uh, do it then? If you're in a uh, an Easter service and you're preaching, mm. how would you sort of bring around? I mean, would you would you go quick quickly skirt over these? Yeah. Things just to talk about the brevity of yeah. life, and then and then yeah. what would you do after that? How would you? Yeah, so I think using those biblical Im illustrations and imagery um, is really, really useful. Um, and and then trying to get people to get real. Um, you have a certain number of heartbeats left. And when that number's up, your number's mm. up. And that's it. And, and then what, what what are you going to do? <laughs> you know, and then of... what are you going to do? Uh, and, and I guess um, I uh, it's interesting. It's interesting. Um I've got an old sermon from Hebrews 2, which I'm actually bringing out for Easter. Mm. 
Um, and oh, the, is this your um, your your sermon freezer that you've got? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thawing <laughs> out old. It's a little frosty, but um, which is interesting. The last last time I preached Hebrews two was at Christmas. Um, but actually, we should hold together the crib and the cross. Mm. Um, they're meant to belong together. The same Jesus who took flesh actually takes that flesh down to the hellish death that it deserves on the cross, taking on not only our flesh but our our sin on the cross. But that whole trajectory of him taking flesh means he's on the way to the cross mm. and then blasts through death out the other side. And that's, that's kind of what... Um, that's kind of why Christmas and Easter belong together. But it's really interesting. At at, uh, at Christmas time, everyone says, don't forget to pr- preach the cross at Christmas, mm. you know, because he didn't just stay in the crib. He went to the cross. you got, you got to hold Christmas and Easter together. Mm. They're always saying that at Christmas. They don't say it at Easter, though. A few months later, nobody's saying, don't forget to preach Christmas at Easter. <laughs> don't forget to preach, you know, that Jesus entered into our life yeah. and our humanity and our predicament and took it onto himself in his own being. We don't tend to do that so much because I tend, think we tend to preach a cross that's simply a transaction where God zaps a certain amount of sin on the cross so that he can zap a certain amount of blessing to you in a quite impersonal way. Um, that's a, obviously a caricature. But I think we need to hold together Christmas and Easter, and Hebrews 2 does a brilliant job of that. Hebrews 2, verse 14, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity that by his death, he might destroy him who holds the power of death, mm. that is the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. Now, such those two verses are just so rich. Mm. What does it say about how God rescues us? It's it, Again, it's not that he just sends down the rescue rope to those who are perishing. It's because we're flesh and blood, and you know where flesh and blood ends up? In the grave. Jesus, the Son of God, shared to in our humanity, so that, interestingly, by his death, he might destroy the power of him who holds the power of death. So, it's interesting that that, that his death itself is this explosive force that kills death. Mm. By his death, he kills death. Um, because I, th- I think in the Bible, they, the Bible writers hold together the cross and the resurrection, perhaps a little more than we do. Um, we tend to think, okay, there was the, there was that transaction at the cross where sin is paid for, and then three days later there was the resurrection thing where death is killed and life is won and you know Christ is conquered. Um, but in the in the Bible, it's held together far more, so that you know Romans four can say that the resurrection is what justifies us, and here Hebrews two can say um, it's his death that kills death. So, just just interesting again that. We, we preach a Jesus who takes onto himself our perishing condition on the cross. He takes together our spiritual perishing as well in order to destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and liberate us, free us, who all our lives are held in slavery by our fear of death. Now, that's very interesting that according to verse 15 of Hebrews 2, we're all in slavery to our fear of death. Mm. Stop someone on the streets and say, are you afraid of dying right now? 
And they'll say, no, no, but I'm afraid that I won't make my mortgage repayments. I'm afraid that this doctor's appointment that I've got on Tuesday is not going to go well. I'm afraid that my children are, you know, hanging around with the wrong people. Um, but you, you trace those fears back. Um, ultimately, it's a fear that this whole thing is coming to an end. And I've, I've been trying to keep the show on the road. I've been trying to clamber up the walls of the pit. Um, and I might be, you know, the near horizon of my fears are I want the job and I want the relationship and I want the family to go well. Uh, the far horizon of every fear is everything sliding down into that pit. Everything sliding down into that, you know, hell. Mm. And everyone's got that fear of death. And I, so I, th- I think it's so important to show people their mortality, to show the ways in which their fear of death is holding them in slavery, and then to show them the Lord Jesus who shares in our humanity and his death that destroys death. Mm. Um, so that's those are some of the things. Yeah. Okay. So how would you um, take it from there? Would you call for a response and encourage people to come forward? Or I do that. I <laughs> do that. Yeah. Summarize or yeah. How would you end your how do you end that sort of sermon? Yeah. yeah. And, I mean, on the practical thing of call to response, I do that differently depending on the the context yes, and what course. what the church is used to if I'm preaching in a church. or um, So I don't always do it the same way. I'm committed to actually th- thinking faith, if faith comes by hearing, then the way that a person receives Christ is far more as they hear the word proclaimed mm. than... 10 minutes after the service coming yes. forwards in this act of response. Yeah. So I want to I want to tie together the act of hearing and the assurance that Christ is yours. I want to tie those two things together. So that in my preaching I'll sort of say there you are perishing. There you are your whole life is enslaved to your fear of death. Everything you do you're chasing after this myth that you can postpone the inevitable. Um, your whole life is running, you know, is being run by this slavery. Mm. Um, here's Jesus, and he's he's the cannonball shot from heaven, and he's blasting past you down the other way. But look at him, doesn't he? He seems to know what he's doing, doesn't he? And he seems to know what a good death looks like, and he seems to know that there's there's hope on the other side of death. Will you be one with him? Will you receive him? Will you go his way? Um, and you know maybe even now you can call out to Jesus in your perishing state and say Jesus I see that you took my burdens onto yourself Um, will you take me onto yourself will you you know will you be with me and and me with you from now on and will you will you help me to die well so that I might rise with you you know those those sorts of things that's that's what we're doing when we're we're preaching Easter can you think of sort of any people that uh you know, have come up to you afterwards and uh, said that that's happened to them? Certainly it, certainly in terms of, um, yeah, I want in on Jesus, mm. and yes. Um, yeah, certainly people have, have, have done that. I'm trying to think of people who specifically in response to me saying, you're dying, aren't you? I mean, I mean I've, I've seen a number of people trust Christ with days to live, um, mm. and that's, that's been really uh, amazing. But it, it kind of takes that in this culture where we sort of we keep death out of sight and out of mind. 
for for so long it it kind of takes until we're almost drugged up to the eyeballs um and you know we're in the hospice before we actually consider that we're mortal you know that that's that's the state where we're at but yeah i've i've known a i've known a number of people who have um yeah, prayed with me to receive Jesus, and and you know we prayed the twenty third Psalm together. I'm I'm thinking of one guy, um, who had a particularly particularly horrible degener- degenerative uh, lung condition, but had never had anything to do with Christianity until aged fifty something. Um, he sort of got this, and he yeah he had he thought he had weeks to live. He actually died a few days later. Mm. Um, mm. But it, yeah, it takes that kind of that kind of face to face with our own perishing. Mm. And and the other thing I'll say is is we're not just preaching that you're dying therefore you need resurrection. We're preaching you're sinful therefore you need justification, forgiveness. Mm. Um but those two things go together. We are physically perishing but we're also spiritually perishing. Mm. So as you, as you're trying to convict people that they are um dying, you want to say that there's there's moral death too, isn't there? There's spiritual death to you. That Jesus has come to solve, so you need to be able to to, to do that. But it, again, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, doing three, two, one. Um, you talk about Adam quite a bit. So this gospel presentation that you know takes you through the story of God, the world, and you. Um, I mention Adam quite a bit in evangelism, and people don't want to believe that they are born dying, and they don't want to believe that they're born sinful. Um, but that, I, th- I find that very interesting in the West, where we we think that we're going to live forever, because like because we've never had it so good. We also find it difficult to think that we're born spiritually dying, and I think those two things are linked. I think I think we kid ourselves that we've got life under control, life in our own possession. But we also kid ourselves that we've got goodness under control, and, and we're born, you know, we're born immortal, and we're born good. And the Bible is just saying. Come on, face facts, face reality. You're born sinking, both spiritually and physically. Let's face facts in this. Um, and so, and I guess we can we can sort of uh, conclude with this little plea for a shape to our preaching. I think we need to have a certain shape in our gospel presentations that goes down and then up. Um, you'll notice that you know if if you're looking out for it in in our videos, you'll notice that every one of our ten videos has that shape. Yeah, all of them, like oh, it's a little bit dark and it's a little bit oh, but ah, oh, Jesus at the end. Um, I think the Bible has that shape. I think Jesus Himself has that shape. Cross then resurrection. I think the whole world has that shape. Um, there's been a fall, but we're gonna rise up higher than 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 we ever were before. Everything has this shape. Um, older preachers used to call it the law gospel kind of dynamic. You show people how far short of you know God's goodness and glory we fall, and then you show them Jesus who offers it to them for free. But I think however you do it and whatever names you give to it, um, we need to preach this kind of shape. And all the more at Easter, because Easter forces you into that shape, doesn't it? <laughs> we've, had, you know, we've had Lent, we go into Maundy Thursday, then down into Good Friday. And then Easter Sunday, um, so I would I would urge you not just at Easter but at all times to have that same that same shape. Bury people, bury people's faces in the truth. You're born sinking into quicksand. That's a moral truth, spiritual truth, a physical truth. You're in denial about all of that, 
but it should be the most obvious fact of your life. Of course you are. Of course you are. But here is Jesus offered to you when you can't do it for yourself. Mm. And, there, and there's the good news. But mm. that's, yeah, that's how I think you preach at Easter. Excellent. Um, would you sort of have some um, Easter sermons on your website we could link to? That's a good idea. Yeah, let's yeah. put that. And, and um, we can also link to some very helpful talks on death. Right. Um, the ways the Bible thinks about it and the ways that in modern society we've completely blinkered ourselves mm. to our mortality. Yeah. Um, so I'll put some links to um, okay. a couple of sermons like that and then a couple of uh, Easter sermons. That'd yeah. be good. Excellent. Okay, well, we better leave it for now and uh, we'll come back next time with uh, something fresh After and new. Easter. After Easter. Exactly. Good one. Okay, so the web address for this web... Uh, <laughs> Webisode. <laughs> For this webisode is revivalmedia.org slash TEP90. If you could leave us a rating and review, we would be very grateful if you could do that for us. Just go to revivalmedia.org slash iTunes or slash Stitcher. And uh, if you give us a rating and review, it helps us to get boosted up and uh, seen by more people. That will help us very much. Thank you very much. Very good. Okay, so uh, we'll see you next time. See ya. Have a good Easter. Have a happy Easter. Bye.